Good evening. I almost said good morning because that's my normal thing I say. I'm Tony. I'm the pastor here and it's wonderful to have you. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 1 if you have a Bible or it's on your phone or an iPad or something like that. Go ahead and look it up. There will be verses on the screen. But I want to let you know in your bulletin is the, the announcement about tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock, which is our normal service time, there will be a video released on YouTube and there's a QR code in your bulletin that you can just put your phone on that and it opens it up. Technology, amazing. And if that doesn't work for you, just go to Cornerstone Community Church Incline Village on YouTube and you'll find it. So that's how I go. So, Father, guide us today in your word as we think about your incredible plan. From the beginning, Lord, you planned the birth of your son. So give us insight, understanding, encouragement, conviction, whatever we need, Lord, today to um, come to a right place where we get to know and love your son. In his name we pray. Amen. So we've been in a series called God With Us. We started this the week, the Sunday after Thanksgiving. And we actually started, this idea of Emmanuel actually comes from um, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, where Isaiah prophesies about a Messiah coming, a virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son, you shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So we did that and we actually went back to Genesis and showed you how this idea of God with us is all through the Bible. As God had planned from the beginning to bring about his son. And it's a theme that runs through the entire Bible. So today we're going to look at Luke to show you the announcement of Gabriel the angel to Mary about her son. But first what I want to do is to step back. I want to step back because we're going to learn that this Jesus is the son of David. And often we don't know what that means. If, if we haven't been reading our Bibles much, we don't know what it means that Jesus is the son of David. So let me just give you a quick history of the entire Bible. <laughs> okay? So I'm just going to go back to Genesis 12 there because Genesis 12, God picks Abraham to be his chosen person to bless the world. He says to Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to bless you and you're going to be a blessing. In fact, the whole world will be blessed because of you, Abraham. And that's one of the first promises that God is bringing about Jesus Christ that one of Abraham's descendants would have a child. And Abraham had no children at that time, and he had no land at that time. But God does a miracle. Abraham has Isaac. Isaac has Jacob. Jacob wrestles with God, and God changes his name to Israel. And Israel, i.e. Jacob, has 12 sons that become the 12 tribes of Israel. And so that four generations there is, is where it all starts, where Israel starts. Now move forward almost 1,000 years... And David is born, and David is the first king from the line of Judah. He's the second king of Israel, but he's the first king of the line of Judah. And David was a man after God's own heart. He, he was a very flawed man. If you know the story, a deeply flawed man. But there was something David never did. He never worshipped another god. And he loved the Lord with all his heart. And, and God promised him, David, this is in 2 Samuel chapter 7, David... One of your descendants will sit on the throne forever. Well, that's about 1,000 B.C., 1,000 years after Abraham, 1,000 years before Jesus Christ is born. So now what I want to do is jump another 1,000 years to the first century. And let's jump into the story. So, so you want to repeat the history to me? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob, his name has changed Israel. He has 12 sons. One of those sons is Judah, who then becomes the line where David comes from, the kingly line. And God promises David, because of his faithfulness, that one of your sons will sit on the throne forever. Got it? Okay. That's supposed to be, get it? Get it. 
good. Now, we come to the place where Mary and Joseph are engaged. You know the story. They're engaged. Mary's probably a teenager, 15, 16 years old. Joseph, by custom, is probably a good 10, 15 years older than Mary. And at this time, Mary's cousin, Elizabeth, who was barren, could have children, conceived a baby. And that becomes John the Baptist. So with that information, Mary and Joseph, they're engaged to be married. Young, and they have a cousin named Elizabeth. So now we're going to jump into the story. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth. To a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The angel came to her and said, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled by his words and began to wonder about his, the meaning of this greeting. So just imagine this. Typically in the Bible, almost always, when an angel appears to somebody, they're terrified. Terror comes upon them. Um, it, it, these angels aren't little cherub fat babies. These, this, is, this is Gabriel. This is an imposing person. And hail favored one. She was greatly troubled by his words and began to wonder about the meaning of this greeting. So the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Listen, you will become pregnant and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. And here's the description. He will be great. He will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will God give him the throne of his father, David. The promise to David that one of your descendants will sit on the throne forever. Jesus is appointed to that. So he's... He's, he's great. He's the son of the most high, i.e. he's God himself. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David because he's a human. And this is the heart of the gospel. The reason Jesus became human, God became human. It's called the incarnation. Are you familiar with the word incarnation? So if you don't come to this church, I ask my people to talk back to me. So the incarnation is the idea of God becoming human. And, and, and this is a bad, cr crude way to tell you what it means. But do you know what chili con carne is? <laughs> Serious. What, what is chili con carne? It's beans with, yeah, carne is meat. The incarnation is God has put, I'm not going to say meat, has put human form on. God has become physical. He's become human. That's the incarnation. So now you never forget that, will you? Chili con carne. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. This is the God-man. This baby born that we celebrate, that we somehow have disconnected from the rest of the Bible, and we celebrate this baby, is God himself becoming human, the son of God, the son of man, specifically the son of David, and he will reign forever in the throne of his father David. So, right here we see one of the purposes of the incarnation is the Son of God was born to be king. And we learn through the Bible that Jesus comes and he vanquishes evil. He vanquishes the evil one, the devil himself. Jesus is the king. He is the victor. We saw in Matthew, if you're in this church, about a month ago, the gospel of Matthew in the first chapter, this same angel goes to Joseph and says, your wife's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Because imagine Joseph ain't buying it. And there it says this one you'll call Jesus 
because he'll save his people from their sins. So the incarnation has a twofold declaration. Christ has come to reign as king and he's come to save us from our sins because we can't save ourselves. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I have not been intimate with a man? The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child, will be born with, the child to be born will be holy and he'll be called the Son of God. And look, your relative Elizabeth has also become pregnant with a son in her old age. And who was the son of Elizabeth, you guys? John the Baptist. Although she was called barren, she is now in her sixth month. In verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. It's very interesting in our, our modern world where we all tend to be from Missouri, show me, prove it, that we, we, has, we struggle with the concept of a miracle, of a barren woman who's past the child age bearing of, of Elizabeth, the age of bearing children gets pregnant. Mary, who's a virgin, becomes pregnant by the power of God. And in the rise of modernism in the early 20th century, that's one of the first things people rejected was the virgin birth. Because that can't happen. But let me tell you, don't let modern skepticism throw a wet blanket on your faith that God can do whatever he declares he will do. When God says, I will do a miracle in this young woman's body, there's nothing impossible with God. And our entire gospel hinges right here that this baby is the God-man. Mary said, this is amazing. A Mary is amazing in verse 38. Look up here. Next verse. Yes, I am a servant of the Lord. Let this happen to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. So I want you to think about that for a minute. What is the social ramifications of Mary's pregnancy? She's a teenager, which is not a, it's a normal time to get married. There's usually a one-year betrothal in part to see if she is pregnant. So the fact that God does this miracle to a woman who's betrothed but not married, who's never been with a man, she's now going to become a pariah. Because who's going to believe it's a miracle? Would you? If your child came home and said that? Exactly, that, that's Mary's contemporaries. Sure, Mary, sure. This is an amazing woman that she says, God, what are you doing to me? I'm going to be humiliated. I'm going to be embarrassed in front of everybody. Why would you do this to me? This isn't a gift. This is a curse. It's not what she said. She said, let it be done to me according to your word. Total submission to God to be put through the ringer socially. So I just want to focus on Mary for a moment. But Mary, the angel said, greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. And we've learned in this whole series when it says the Lord is with you, it's a guarantee of his presence. It's a promise he'll never leave you or forsake you. This is what we've been doing for the last four weeks. He'll never leave you or forsake you. It's a promise of the power to accomplish what he's calling you to do. So Mary now has the Lord with her. And he'll never leave her or forsake her. And he's going to empower her to do what he's called her to do. Not just cause her pregnancy, but to endure whatever he calls her to endure. This is one amazing lady. Even Elizabeth, her cousin in verse 42. When Liz Mary went to meet Elizabeth, Elizabeth said, when she exclaimed with a loud voice, 
Because the baby jumped into, John the Baptist jumped in her womb. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. So hail favored one, blessed are you among women. Listen to Mary's prayer a few verses later. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked upon the humble estate of his servant. And behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. So the gospel here presents us this young woman who has found favor with God, who is willing to be the servant of the Lord to undergo whatever God says she needs to undergo and be the one who delivers the Messiah to us. An amazing young lady. But the story goes on about not just this young lady, but about the baby. They eventually take the baby to Jerusalem when the baby's eight days old. And it's time for the dedication at the temple for the baby, eight days old. And when they're there, a prophet meets them. His name is Simeon. And Simeon's an old man. And Simeon says this, Lord. And actually that word Lord is despotes. We get our word despot from it. And in, in, in our today, when someone's a despot, that's an evil ruler, isn't it? That's not what the, Lord, the word meant then. Here the word despot means absolute ruler, sovereign Lord. So Simeon understands that God is the sovereign ruler of universe and history. Lord, sovereign Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Now I get to die according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light for the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory for your people Israel. You see, this Messiah is not just for Israel. He's for all the world. A light of revelation to the Gentiles. You see, in biblical parlance, if you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. There's only two people groups. Jewish, everyone else. And Jesus has come to be for them all. Verse 33. And Jesus' father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, for a sign that is opposed. So the thoughts for many hearts may be revealed. And lastly, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Mary is favored, blessed of all women. All generations will call her blessed. But she's going to have her heart ripped out because of this baby. You see, this baby grows up, and you know the story, and approximately 30-something years later, reveals himself to Israel as their Messiah. And they willingly accept him, right? For a short time. For a short time. But constantly opposition comes against him, and opposition increases. And eventually, they take him, and they beat him mercilessly, they nail him to a cross, and there he dies, and Mary witnessed it all. So moms in the room, the joy of your babies, watching them grow up. And what's, what's it like being the mother of God? A human being who's also God. And Jesus never sinned, it says. How many of you have children that never sinned? 
A lot of my kids are sitting here today. They're over here. Um, I, I, I raised three sons and then um, ended up um, remarrying. And Teresa, who's over there, raise your hand, Teresa. I just embarrassed her. And she had an 11-year-old daughter. I had all sorts of boys. I had three sons. I had 15 teenage foster sons. All my dogs were boys. And they were typical teenage boys, um, i.e. rebellious. Um, then I marry Teresa, and she has 11-year-old Michaela, who's over here. She's 27 now. Michaela was better behaved than all my sons when it came to the rules. But the drama... Um, I didn't know, I had no clue how to handle drama of a girl. But these are children who need a savior. What, what, what was Jesus like? So we, we only can speculate about that. We can only speculate. But Mary, who adores her son, at 30-something years old, watches him be murdered on a cross. He who is innocent is murdered for us, the scripture says so Mary, this child, is, you're going to love this child, Simeon says. That's, this is my paraphrase. But in the end, a, a sword is going to pierce your heart because of what happens to him. And Simeon says this. This child is appointed for the fall and rising of many. And that is a brief statement to talk about the rest of biblical history up until today. Jesus Christ is a polarizing figure. People can talk about all day long about the general concept of I believe in God. And there's usually no kickback. There's no, there's no conflict. But as soon as we say, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, right there you've drawn a line in the sand. And, and most people are polite, but he's polarizing. There's those who say I'm with him. There's those I'm not with him. And even growing now, I'm against him. Or more so, I'm against his followers. And by the way, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're one of the ones that rise, um, sometimes when people are against you, it's because you deserve it. And, and I'm not trying to be mean-spirited. Sometimes we Christians are not kind, gentle, gracious people. But if we are following Jesus Christ, he said, and, and being like him, he says, the world will hate you. So there's those who are opposed to Jesus and there's those who follow Jesus, who, are, who believe in him. And that's why I think it's described by those who fall and those who rise, because ultimately he's the king. Some will reject him, those who fall. Others will trust in him, those who rise. Which will you be? The 21st century attitude towards Jesus is basically ambivalent. You think about it. We, we're kind of just, we're ambivalent about a lot of things these days. We don't have a heart to commit to a lot. And I just want to encourage you today that God didn't give us this option about Jesus Christ. Jesus in John 14 said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And so he didn't come simply so we could have a great holiday, which is just a wonderful holiday. He came to be king and redeemer and savior of our sins. And we all have to ask the question, who do I say that he is? He asked his disciples that once, who do men say that I am? And they gave him all the options and he looked right at his disciples, 
who do you say I am? And so I want to encourage you today. If you're ambivalent, pray about it. Talk, talk to the Lord about it and say, show me, help me understand. It may in the end, you may say, you know what? It's not for me, and, and you, you say no. And it may be, in, I, I'm committing my life to him. But there's no middle ground, folks. Jesus called us to a life of following him wholeheartedly. And this baby Jesus in the manger was appointed for the fall and the rise of many. Okay, way too serious. This Christmas, I want to encourage you tomorrow morning, when you get up, whatever your routine is, to enjoy your family, open presents, have a big meal. How many of you eat, eat first? Eat first, then open presents. Are you serious? You open presents first? What are we going to do? I don't know what we're going to do. But at 10 o'clock, this video will become live. And it will be alive for weeks and weeks and weeks. But I encourage you to gather your families around. It's only 45 minutes long. And Elena and the church in, in Carson City called Hilltop Church, they did this together. The worship teams did it together. And it's a phenomenal video, professionally produced, to honor our Savior, to again look at the word, and for a family to come together for worship. So I really encourage you. Sometimes we've been criticized for canceling church on Sunday morning. I, I am glad we did. Not, we're not canceling church on Sunday morning. Church is in your home tomorrow. As we take those presents, which are gifts from you to your children, and they are also gifts because God has blessed you, and then you watch this video and you say, you know what, we're going to redeem whatever secularism is coming to Christmas and honor our Lord watching that video. You with me? Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. So much for your kindness to us, your patience with us. It's amazing when your scripture calls us beloved. You call us holy. You call us chosen ones. We deserve none of it, but you lavished it all upon us. All because of this baby born to a poor family, put into a stable where animals were. But who grew up to redeem us, to rise from the dead, to ascend to your right hand, who will come again as the king. To his name we thank you. Everybody said, Amen. Amen.